development and service. Christian life is more than many take it to be. It does not consist wholly in gentleness, patience, meekness, and kindliness. These graces are essential. But there is need also of courage, force, energy, and perseverance. The path that Christ marks out is a narrow, self-denying path. To enter that path and press on through difficulties and discouragements requires men who are more than weaklings. Men of stamina are wanted, men who will not wait to have their way smooth and every obstacle removed, men who will inspire with fresh zeal the flagging efforts of dispirited workers, men whose hearts are warm with Christian love and whose hands are strong to do their master's work. Some who engage in missionary service are weak, nerveless, spiritless, easily discouraged. They lack push. They have not those positive traits of character that give power to do something, the spirit and energy that kindle enthusiasm. Those who would win success must be courageous and hopeful. They should cultivate not only the passive but the active virtues. While they are to give the soft answer that turns away wrath, they must possess the courage of a hero to resist evil. With a charity that endures all things, they need the force of character that will make their influence a positive power. Some have no firmness of character. Their plans and purposes have no definite form and consistency. They are but little practical use in the world. This weakness, indecision, and inefficiency should be overcome. There is in true Christian character an indomitableness that cannot be molded or subdued by adverse circumstances. We must have moral backbone and integrity that cannot be flattered, bribed, or terrified. God desires us to make use of every opportunity for securing a preparation for His work. He expects us to put all our energies into its performance and to keep our hearts alive to its sacredness and its fearful responsibilities. Many who are qualified to do excellent work accomplish little because they attempt little. Thousands pass through life as if they had no great object for which to live, no high standard to reach. One reason of this is the low estimate which they place upon themselves. Christ paid an infinite price for us, and according to the price paid, He desires us to value ourselves. Be not satisfied with reaching a low standard. We're not what we might be, or what it is God's will that we should be. God has given us reasoning powers, not to remain inactive or to be perverted to earthly and sordid pursuits, but that they may be developed to the utmost, refined, sanctified, ennobled, and used in advancing the interests of His kingdom. Remember that in whatever position you may serve, you are revealing motive, developing character. Whatever your work, do it with exactness, with diligence. Overcome the inclination to seek an easy task. The same spirit and principles that one brings into daily labor will be brought into the whole life. Those who desire a fixed amount to do and a fixed salary and a wish to prove an exact fit without the trouble of adaptation or training are not the ones whom God calls to work in His cause. Those who study how to give as little as possible of their physical, mental, and moral power are not the workers upon whom He can pour out abundant blessings. Their example is contagious. Self-interest is the ruling motive. Those who need to be watched and who work only as every duty is specified to them 
are not the ones who will be pronounced good and faithful. Workers are needed who manifest energy, integrity, diligence, those who are willing to do anything that needs to be done. Many become inefficient by evading responsibilities for fear of failure. Thus they fail of gaining that education which results from experience, in which reading and study and all the advantages otherwise gained cannot give them. Men can shape circumstances, but circumstances should not be allowed to shape the man. We should seize upon circumstances as instruments with which to work. We are to master them, but should not permit them to master us. Men of power are often those who have been opposed, baffled, and thwarted. By calling their energies into action, the obstacles they meet prove to them positive blessings. They gain self-reliance. Conflict and perplexity call for the exercise of trust in God and for that firmness which develops power. Christ gave no stinted service. He did not measure his work by hours. His time, his heart, his soul and strength were given to labor for the benefit of humanity. Through weary days he toiled, and through long nights he bent in prayer for grace and endurance that he might do a larger work. With strong crying and tears, he sent his petitions to heaven that the human nature might be strengthened, that he might be braced to meet the wily foe in all his deceptive workings and fortified to fulfill his mission of uplifting humanity. To his workers, he says, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. John thirteen fifteen. The love of Christ, Paul said, constraineth us. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. This was the actuating principle of his conduct. It was his motive power. If ever his ardor in the path of duty flagged for a moment, one glance at the cross caused him to gird up anew the loins of his mind and press forward in the way of self-denial. In his labors for his brethren, he relied much upon the manifestations of infinite love in the sacrifice of Christ with a subduing, constraining power. How earnest, how touching his appeal. Ye know the graces of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You know the height from which he stooped, the depth of humiliation to which he descended. His feet entered upon the path of sacrifice and turned not aside until he had given his life. There was no rest for him between the throne in heaven and the cross. His love for man led him to welcome every indignity and suffer every abuse. Paul admonishes us to look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. He bids us possess the mind which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, who was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Philippians 2, 4-8. Everyone who accepts Christ as his personal Savior will long for the privilege of serving God. Contemplating what heaven had done for him, his heart is moved with boundless love and adoring gratitude. He is eager to signalize his gratitude by devoting his abilities to God's service. 
He longs to show his love for Christ and for his purchased possession. He covets toil, hardship, sacrifices. The true work of God will do his best, because in so doing he can glorify his Master. He will do right in order to regard the requirements of God. He will endeavor to improve all his faculties. He will perform every duty as unto God. His one desire will be that Christ may receive homage and perfect service. There is a picture representing a bullock standing between a plow and an altar with the inscription, Ready for either. Ready to toil in the furrow or to be offered on the altar of sacrifice. This is the position of the true child of God, willing to go where duty calls, to deny self, to sacrifice for the Redeemer's cause. Ministry of Healing, pages 497 to 502.